Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. A big day. We got, uh, well, of course, a lot of the talk today will be around USDA's acreage and stocks report, but it's also opening day for the baseball season. And I'm in northern Illinois working with Max Armstrong, uh, co-hosting with him on This Week in Agribusiness that you'll see on uh, TV stations this weekend. So as a Cardinals fan, I am in enemy territory up in northern Illinois today. So hopefully I can uh, get out of town safely here before the Cub fans uh, all get uh, on my back. And I even wore a Cardinal cap up here yesterday and so far I've been okay. But uh, always, always exciting to have baseball back and let's hope the weather starts coming around for not only baseball, of course, but we want to get into planting season and a lot of um, people kind of waiting for spring weather to finally get to them. Others are hoping for some rain. Others are hoping the rain uh, would uh, shut off for a little while so they can get to the fields. Kind of a mixed bag around the country. Coming up today, we're going to talk with Kevin Skunas. Uh, he's president of the National Corn Growers Association, uh, NCGA, certainly um, watching closely the situation, the bankruptcy situation with uh, Philadelphia Energy Solutions. And they've uh, submitted testimony to the court on that. We'll talk about that with Kevin in just a moment. Coleman Garrison, the Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Conservation Districts, will join us today. A lot of talk in the Farm Bill about will there be more CRP acres, more emphasis on conservation. We'll talk with Coleman Garrison about that. Zippy Duvall, President of the American Farm Bureau Federation, will join us today. AFBF is is joining up with the National Farmers Union, two groups that don't always see eye to eye on things, but they're working cooperatively together uh, to tackle the very serious opioid crisis in this country. We'll get an update on those efforts from Zippy Duvall on our program today. And we've been talking a lot this week about Farm Bill and the impasse between Republicans and Democrats in the House and the House Ag Committee over the nutrition title. We're going to talk with a member of the House Ag Committee, Illinois Congressman Rodney Davis, will be joining us a little bit later on in the program, his thoughts on the Farm Bill. So all that coming up, but let's start uh, with uh, Kevin Skunas in North Dakota. He's president of the National Corn Growers Association. Kevin, how's your weather in North Dakota? Well, good morning, Mike. Uh, not really sure. I'm in St. Louis the last few days, but huh. uh, I, I left on Tuesday, and it was just it was just gorgeous. It was uh, 40, 45 degrees. The sun was out, but we still had snow on the ground, so we're hoping for some uh, for some nice weather to come. I think we're going to have a little bit of a a dip here, but but spring is spring is on its way, and we're going to be hopeful we'll get in the field soon. Yes, farmers, I think after this weekend are going to really start getting anxious about uh, getting out there, and uh, the weather has just not cooperated in a lot of areas. So hopefully that'll clear up soon. Well, let's talk about this issue with Philadelphia Energy Solutions and uh, the bankruptcy uh, situation, waiting on a ruling on that as far as the settlement. Of course, they're trying to blame the RFS and RINs uh, for their financial situation. Tell us about uh, NCGA's involvement in this case. Well, so, yeah, we we, uh, we supplied some comments to the Department of Justice. Uh, you know, we, of course, have done some uh, extensive research into what this bankruptcy looks like for Philadelphia Energy Solutions. And, you know, the RFS did not cause you know their bankruptcy you know unfortunately they made some some bad decisions and some investments you know they the uh, carlisle group and sunoco is their parent companies and and they're you know they're looking for some relief from the department of justice and epa on some uh, waivers of, of some
some of their rims, which would which would help. But you know, we believe that would be a an awfully dangerous precedent if the EPA were to waive some of their RIN uh, RIN obligations. In this case, being being that we you know we we do not believe that the RIN prices or the RFS was was the cause of their uh, bankruptcy. That is a real concern, isn't it, Kevin? That this could open the door, set that precedent for others to try to use the same uh, tactic uh, uh, to get out of a financial uh, problem that they've uh, that they're in, and use the RFS kind of as a scapegoat. Well, well, absolutely. The you know the renewable fuel standard is you know was is a, enacted into law in two thousand five, and it was updated in two thousand seven, and it you know it it states that uh, you know that uh, the, the fuel industry has to has to blend, you know, ethanol into the fuel supply up to 10%. And and there's a the RIN, the renewable identification number that's attached to each gallon of ethanol. And and so when a when a refinery that can blend uh, ethanol into their fuel supply, they take that ethanol, they blend it, they take the RIN that's attached to that, and and they actually you know send that back into the EPA to to retire that RIN. They, the uh, refineries like like PES, they they did not invest in blending infrastructure, which would have been very cheap, you know, uh, investment for them at the time. Did not invest in that, so they then have to buy the RINs on the open market. The RINs for several years were were um, you know selling for very cheap. You know, they they did did go up a little bit. They're they're down to you know around thirty eight cents right now, something like that. Um, you know, our our research shows that. When they were considering bankruptcy, they even sold some of their RINs that they had on hand last fall when they were fairly high. Probably, you know, probably looking to buy them back at some point. But, but that you know, it is a law that this that you know the refineries have to do this. It's the Clean Air Act, and it and it's the right thing to do. Uh, we know that you know ethanol and the ethanol industry is is great for rural America, but it's also great for the rest of the country. You know, we're helping to clean up the air from uh, pollution out of, out of automobiles and fuel supply. So it is it is a very dangerous precedent if they let this go through. So we'll see what the uh, the court ruling is on that case. Uh, meanwhile, Kevin, are you feeling any better about uh, the trade situation and concerns with uh, China and tariffs and retaliation? There have been some things lately saying, well, maybe it's not as bad as we feared it might get, and China does not want to a trade war, so maybe it won't turn into that. Are you feeling any better, or still anxious? Well, we're we're still very anxious on what's what's going on. You know, we we know that the you know the shining star, of course, in the U.S. trade right now is is agriculture of all sorts. You know, soybeans, corn, you know, NAFTA for you know Mexico for NAFTA is a is a great uh, uh, outlet for us. You know the soybean industry. You know sends so much of their soybeans to China. They've been a good market, and and we know that they don't want to disrupt that. But but we are watching it very close, and we are very concerned because it seems like any time that anybody mentions a tariff or a or, you know putting a putting a retaliation on something, it it affects the markets, even if it's not going to be true. And and market disruption at this point right now, we're you know we're we're near disaster levels in the in the farm economy. Uh, with the price of corn and the price of soybeans and and any little disruption, you know certainly makes it more difficult for our operators. You know we're we're at the very end of our of our banking year right now, trying for all of our farmers to get their uh, operating loans and and any disruption in that the the folks that are out there 
still trying to get those loans. It makes it very tough. Kevin, good to talk with you again. Safe travels back to North Dakota. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate what you do for agriculture. Thank you, and have a happy Easter. All right. Bye. Kevin Skunas, he's the president of the National Corn Growers Association. All right. Coming up later in the program, we'll talk Farm Bill with Illinois Congressman Rodney Davis, a member of the House Agriculture Committee. We're going to talk about efforts to uh, address the serious opioid situation in this country with Zippy Duvall, president of the American Farm Bureau Federation, who will be joining us. But coming up next, we're going to talk conservation efforts, and especially in this next Farm Bill, Coleman Garrison is the Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Conservation Districts. What about taking uh, CRP acres up to 30 million? What did they think of that? And other conservation issues? We'll find out next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. I have a 10-year warranty. And you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows. Two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no. Wait. A family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. 
Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We're still trying to uh, get a hold of uh, Coleman Garrison with the National Association of Conservation Districts. He's tied up right now, so we hope to be able to talk to him uh, here in this portion of Adams on Agriculture. Want to get their thoughts on um, the possibility of increasing CRP acres. There's talk of it going up to 30 million. Uh, we'll see if that happens or not. We've heard Colin Peters and others uh, talk about this and saying they think they can pay for it uh, using a, a change in the county rental rates formula and things like that. So we'll see what the uh, conservation districts uh, think about that and some other conservation issues as we hope to reach them here shortly. Well, here we are going into the Easter weekend, and we wish all of you a happy Easter, very special time, important time. And uh, for many, you know, eggs are a big part of uh, the uh, celebration, maybe dying eggs, uh, hiding eggs, whatever it may be. Um, did you know that egg prices are up a little bit this year as uh, there's higher demand both domestically and exports of eggs a little higher this year because of some uh, bird flu problems in other parts of the world. We have been shipping more eggs to uh, into the export channel, so that has caused egg prices to go up. They're about 37% higher this year, according to a survey conducted by the American Farm Bureau Federation. On average, egg prices about 37% higher than this time a year ago. And that's actually a, a change uh, from egg prices that have been going down uh, in recent times. So you might notice a little bit of an increase in those egg prices this year. And when we look at uh, eggs consumption, I've been doing a little bit of research on this. It's kind of interesting. Just here in the United States, last year, there was a 20-year record set for egg consumption in this country. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but at your house, how big a part of eggs are in your uh, daily uh, diet and menu. But uh, certainly we have seen that increasing in uh, recent years. And do you know... What is the top egg-producing state in this country? You know, when you look at uh, the top 10, the top egg-producing states, number one is Iowa, followed by Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Texas, Michigan, California, Minnesota, Georgia, and Nebraska. But those top five states of Iowa, Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania, and Texas those top five states represent about 67% of all the U.S. table egg production, uh, U.S. Uh, table egg production here in the United States. So kind of interesting. The top five, Iowa, Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania, and Texas. All right. Joining us now is Coleman Garrison. He is the district or the director of government affairs, I should say, for the National Association of Conservation Districts. Coleman, thanks for joining us here on Adams on Agriculture. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, a lot of talk in this farm bill right now, they're tied up over nutrition, but when we look at some of the other parts of the farm bill they're putting together, there's talk about bumping up CRP acres to 30 million. Uh, how does uh, the National Association of Conservation Districts feel about that? Sure. Uh, certainly across the country, we see the benefit that CRP can provide and think that there is definitely a role for more acreage in the program. 
Uh, however, we, we don't want that to be coming at the expense of with the Working Lands programs, EQIP and CSP, uh, the programs that really go to help farmers and ranchers continue being active on the land and just helping them address their natural resource concerns. So it's certainly a balance uh, that the Act Committee on the House and Senate will need to find, but we do see a role for increasing acreage. And what about those other conservation programs? We have heard about possible cuts to them. I know you're concerned about that. What are, what are you hearing now? Absolutely. Overall, funding is probably the number one issue we are paying attention to. Uh, the conservation title took about a $6 billion cut in the 2014 Farm Bill when you include sequestration. Uh, so at the very minimum, our request to the Ag Committees are do not cut conservation title funding overall. But certainly, as I mentioned, the Working Lands programs are a priority for us. Uh, there's been various conversations about what uh, the committees may do to the Working Lands programs. Uh, there's been a lot of news lately at the House Ag Committee maybe looking to merge or consolidate or whatever you want to call it, whatever verb you want to call it, uh, those two programs into one. And our concerns with are when you start merging programs, uh, there's a lot of questions and that may be coming up. Um, will one program kind of supersede another ultimately, or will the funding end up being cut, uh, as you mentioned? So generally speaking, we really prefer to see those programs left separately because it doesn't even provide the opportunity for those questions really to come about. However, we have been working with the House Agriculture Committee uh, to make sure that the concerns we have will be addressed and that the identities of each program uh, can continue to operate and that farmers and ranchers and foresters across the country continue to have access to the cost share type program that EQIP currently is and the longer term uh, stewardship type contracts that CSP currently offers. Of course, there's always two questions. It's the structure of the programs and the funding and we don't have language or a CBO score, so we don't know exactly what uh, that is going to look like yet. But we certainly look forward to seeing that, and funding will certainly be a big part of what ultimately leads us to either supporting or opposing the bill. Yeah, we heard Chairman Conaway tell us yesterday they're waiting on that CBO scoring. You know, when I look back, uh, thinking about covering conservation efforts in the last 20 to 30 years in this country, I mean, you've got a great story to tell. We have seen the benefits of these programs and how uh, that partnership that uh, with you know government funding and the private uh, uh, partnership uh, working together so much has been accomplished we've come so far uh, but it is critical to have that funding to be able to keep going because there is always more that needs to be done absolutely and conservation districts were created back in the 30s uh, to be that local partner with uh, what is now known as NRCS, uh, to help deliver conservation. It's that voluntary, incentive-based uh, conservation delivery model that has been successful over all these decades. Uh, but certainly over the last several years and decade or so, there's been a lot more public focus on the natural resource concerns across our country with the Mississippi River and Gulf of Mexico, hypoxia zone, Chesapeake Bay, and there's several other examples. So this is certainly not a time when less investment needs to be done, and certainly we think more investment should be done, although granted we understand the budget uh, constraints that Congress is facing. That is why we are hoping at a, very, at a bare minimum that no more funds will be taken out of the conservation title. Yeah, you really need more money to do the work, but as you said, uh, it would be a plus just to not lose any. You know, I think this is another example. Too often, I think we see in this country, we wind up, uh, spending a lot of money to try to, to s deal with an issue that had money been uh, invested earlier on, 
that problem might not have ever happened. I, I think of this now with conservation. If you put the money up front and have these great conservation projects going on across the land, then you avoid later problems that you're going to try to spend a lot of money to address. Sure, and really the conservation title as we know it today has not been around for that long when you look at the history of a farm bill. Uh, you have CRP created in the 80s, uh, and then you kind of had it slowly equipped created in the late 90s, and now the Conservation Security, which became the Conservation Stewardship Program. So we're really still in the first couple decades of what, this, uh, what a conservation title is in these conservation investments. And we know that you can't just flip a switch and all of a sudden the natural resource concerns will go away. Uh, it does take time for many of these conservation practices to start working, and whether it's buffers and filtering out um, runoff or creating good soil profiles that are able to absorb, rough, uh, absorb rain and nutrients better. Um, so it is something that takes a while, and certainly we want to keep investing in that because uh, we also know that farmers and ranchers aren't always uh, ready to embrace new concepts right off the back. They really need to be able to be shown that they can pr- that improving that implementing a conservation practice isn't going to negatively affect their bottom line. And it is, it is a slow uh, kind of change in mindset uh, that we really are seeing across the country with the increase in cover crop acreage and no-till acreage across the country. And we can continue that uh, progress. We have come so far, and we're seeing the benefits of those projects now. We just don't want to lose that momentum because, you said, it takes time. Uh, landowners, farmers want to see what the benefits are going to be for the investment, and so it, it does take time. You don't want to lose that momentum. Absolutely. Uh, I think one of the things we really always focus on is when talking to farmers and ranchers, and that's one of the things conservation districts really uh, pride ourselves on, are the relationships we have with farmers and ranchers on the ground in the local communities, being able to show them that uh, even though we know farmers and ranchers are the best stewards of the land, that's, they have to continue and they want to pass their land on to the next generation and the next generation past that. Uh, they're still businessmen, and, and if they're afraid that, they, that it may reduce their yield or uh, increase input costs or something, which we think and research has shown that it actually can increase yield and reduce input costs, um, we just have to continue that progress because uh, it's one of the things that take a while to to earn their trust, and it could certainly be lost pretty quickly. And one of the things we are always concerned about is making sure that the conservation delivery system through the through NRCS and districts can, continues to operate successfully, uh, because that is where right. farmers and ranchers have known to go over so many decades, uh, go and get that technical assistance. We're out of time. Thanks for being with us. Coleman Garrison with the National Association of Conservation Districts on AOA. FastLine.com is changing the equipment buying game. FastLine has just released its newest feature, the Price Comparison Tool. The Price Comparison Tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the Price Comparison Tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. 
With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. You know, whether it's Farm Bill or Trade or the RFS or whatever it may be, that we're dealing with right now in rural America. But one that, uh, that we need to focus more on, that's the opioid situation in this country. And we've talked about this before. It's good to see groups like the American Farm Bureau Federation and the National Farmers Union, two groups that don't always see eye to eye on things, but they're working together to is uh, an area that uh, they see that uh, needs everyone involved to get involved and see what can be done. That effort, our next guest is the president of the American Farm Bureau Federation, Zippy Duvall. Zippy, good to talk with you again. Thank you for being with us. Morning, Mike. It's talked about in the in the news, but probably not enough. And I wonder if uh, people realize how situation is across the country, especially in in rural parts of the country. Well, you know, if it hit, hasn't hit your family or someone close to your family, you know, it's kind of uh, you don't see it, but. When we did our survey, uh, Roger Johnson and I from uh, from the National Farmers Union got together and we did a survey, and it for uh, farm families either have been affected by it directly or someone looking for their their farm there. So then we realized how how America and the other uh, uh, was it that uh, three out of four farmers also said it'd be easy to get a hold of opioids. So. We, we, we decided it was something we needed to bring awareness to. And obviously there's no quick and easy answer. It's going to take time, isn't it? We're bringing awareness to it. We're also working with USDA and, uh, and from, uh, from USDA going across the country trying to bring awareness to it. We also have a great website called uh, Farm Town Strong uh, that people, families can go to and find help uh, in the, that, that website. Yeah, when we talk about help, what kind of help is available, Zippy? Well, there there are people that you counselors that you can talk to uh, if you uh, whether you're having the problem yourself or whether you just know someone that's help, having trouble with it. And there's also uh, public institutions that you can call and get a hold of, and all of that is available on the website Farmtown Strong. You know, one of the challenges I would think a lot of us and probably a lot of males especially, we don't like to uh, even go to the doctor or admit we're sick or have a problem of any kind. Uh, so and that's probably slows uh, some of this down too as far as uh, addressing the problem until people uh, ad- realize and admit that they have a problem and then start seeking help. That's true. It's kind of like my wife says, we're all uh, stubborn, us male men are stubborn and we don't admit we have a weakness and there is a certain stigma that goes along with uh with having this problem this this is not uh uh this is a sickness it's a disease and you know people realize that and and look around and see these two organizations being american farm bureau national farmers union wanting to uh provide some help and awareness to this issue uh you know we we uh we just want our our neighbors to to have a way to help themselves, just like it would be if uh, if a storm came through and burnt one that uh, blew one of their barns down, or whether they 
had a uh, accident with an animal, you know, we all show up the next day at that farm, our neighbor's farm, and try to help them out. This is no different than that. This is our friends and neighbors hurting, and uh, and we need to be there to help them. And this is our way of trying to help. Well, uh, the public stigma of it maybe uh, that. Uh, would cause some to hesitate to, to maybe seek help or maybe not even realizing or admitting that they have a problem. So you got to get over all, the, all those hurdles, don't you? That's exactly right. And just like I said, uh, uh, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, it is something no, more, no different than having cancer. It is a sickness, and we're all saying, let us help you. Let us help you get through that. You know, the other thing is uh, uh, the farm economy is so bad now, you know, with our uh, net farm income down about 50% over the last four or five years. Uh, there are pressures out there in rural America today that didn't exist uh, five or six years ago when commodity prices were good. You know, so uh, you, you know, that is that is one of the drivers of the, some of the problems that we're seeing in rural America today, and, and we want to be out there to help because we're doing everything we can with overregulation, with trade, with farm bill. We're doing... You know, Roger's organization and our organization here are working every day to try to make those things work out better for our farmers and ranchers. Uh, but we also want to reach out from the, at the local level and say, you know, uh, if, if you're having difficulty, uh, don't turn that way. You know, turn to us and see if we can uh, find some help for you to get through this. We're talking with Zippy Duvall, president of the American Farm Bureau Federation. Zippy, those numbers you gave at the outset uh, are, are eye-opening. I mean, certainly agriculture, farmers and ranchers not uh, not immune to this uh, this problem. And in some cases, as you just pointed out, because of the economic times, they might be more susceptible than uh, than normal because of just these uh, the pressures that are on right now. Well, that's exactly right. You know, pain comes in... Uh in different ways, uh, whether it be you getting hurt out on the farm or whether you're having a struggle of financial uh, burdens that you carry on your farm during low commodity prices or a natural disaster. And, and uh, you know, we, we tr- seek out way to relieve ourselves of pain, and a lot of time opioids is, is the beginning of that problem, trying to seek out uh, uh, relief from pain. So, you know, it, it, it is, and it, it makes it very difficult, and we want to make sure that we try to help them. So give us that FarmStrong site again that people can go to. It's FarmStrong, uh, farm ta- uh, FarmTownStrong, right. uh, .org, I'm sorry, .org, FarmTownStrong.org. FarmTownStrong.org, okay. Yes. And, make sure and everybody there, gets that. there are resources there to be able to help people find a way through it. What do you see as the next step in this, uh, Zippy, uh, working with the Farmers Union? Do you have a, a long-range plan for this? Uh, wh- what, do you, what do you plan to do next? Well, of course, the first step is bring awareness. The second step is to work with USDA to find uh, local programs where local people can reach out and help individuals uh, and, and to make everybody realize that the stigma that goes along with it needs to, be dis- needs to disappear and we should treat it like a sickness and because that's what it is. So we're hoping that we will work with USDA on local programs and probably have some pilot programs in certain areas and be able to highlight the success stories in that area in, in the months and years to come. 
I know you have a close friendship and relationship with Sonny Perdue. Uh, it is, uh, we've heard him talk about it, and as you mentioned, others at USDA out active uh, working on this as well. So it is, a, it is a priority at USDA as well. It is, and, and uh, Ann Hazlett is doing a great job over there. Uh, you know, so so if you look at, at the discussions that's going on, the President of the United States has just recently in the last couple of weeks uh, raised it to the level of his discussion again. He's looking for ways to help. The USDA is also in their rural development programs are trying to find ways to help, and the two largest general farm organizations in the country are trying to uh, join hands uh, and, and help too. So if we can all come together and make a uh, make a difference at the local level uh, to give a play, give people a place to uh, reach out and find help, we're hoping that we can uh, uh, prevent uh, any of the, from prevent this sickness from spreading further into our communities. So if you think you have an opioid problem or you know someone that does, check out this site, farmtownstrong.org. Uh, good resources there where you can get help or get help for someone uh, that you're concerned about. Zippy, while we have you, just about wrap up here, but uh, we're talking a lot about Farm Bill. There's a great impasse right now in the House between Republicans and Democrats on the nutrition title. Uh, obviously, this is important to, to get work through this uh, and get this farm bill done uh, this year. Uh, what are you hearing about uh, uh, the prospects of it happening this year? Well, we think it's still a good good chance, and, you know, I, I see the Senate side uh, starting to pump up their efforts over on the Senate side. They're not actually looking at the issues that we're seeing on the House side, but I think that uh, uh, even on the House side, uh, Chairman Conaway is continuing to reach out to uh, uh, Mr. Peterson and trying to find some solutions to the problems there. Uh, everybody needs to understand that, uh, of course, we need to make sure that the nutrition program is taken care of properly. We're all interested in making sure the people that need help in our country and the children that need feed, feed, food fed in our schools, make sure that that continues to happen. Uh, but in a, in a very down economy in, in farmland, we got to understand. We got to make sure everybody understands the importance of having a farm bill this year. Uh, you know, our farm bill is crucial to us because there's risk management tools in there that our lending institutions are expecting us to have it uh, uh, have available to us for us to get our operating loans. So this is a this is a very serious issue. And you know, we write farm bills for times like what we're going through today. Uh, so it is important that we get this done, get it done on time. We'll continue to carry the message to the Hill and to the administration and USDA about how important the time is on this. And all our Farm Bureau members that are coming to town to get their voice heard from the grassroots level, uh, we're in, they're on the Hill talking about how important the timetable is. So we think there's a good chance of still getting it done. But the sooner we get discussions going after Easter, the better off we're going to be because the closer we get to the midterm elections, the less chance we have. All right, Zippy, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Zippy Duvall, President of the American Farm Bureau Federation. Illinois Congressman Rodney Davis next talking farm bill on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. 
All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait. A family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. 
Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed, it's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. So earlier in the week, we heard from ranking member of the House Ag Committee, Colin Peterson, talking about the concerns the Democrats have with the nutrition portion of the the Farm Bill proposal. Then yesterday, we heard from Chairman Mike Conaway answering those criticisms, explaining the proposal. But still, this impasse continues. I want to get some more perspective on it from another member of the committee, Illinois Congressman Rodney Davis. Congressman, thanks for joining us here on Adams on Agriculture. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me, buddy. I always enjoy being on with you. Appreciate it. So we've heard from both sides here now. I don't. It seems like there's a maybe a lack of communication. We hear two different stories completely. Uh, can you give us uh, some background here? What's going on to try to break through this impasse? Well, I'll tell you. I don't think it's a lack of communication as much as it is just pure pol- politics and partisanship at play. And it's going to unfortunately transcend into the House Ag Committee as we open up the Farm Bill debate. And and that's tragic. We 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 had a bipartisan bill that we passed in 2014, save taxpayers not the estimated $23 billion in mandatory spending. We saved taxpayers $104 billion, and that was bipartisan success. But I think the Democrats on the House Ag Committee, and many of them are my close friends, I, I think they're, they're more worried about who's going to be in the majority next year and whether or not they can rewrite the farm bill versus working with us to do it. Other than the nutrition title, is there agreement on pretty much the rest of the bill? Well, I would certainly hope so, because many of the same producers in my district uh, versus producers in districts represented by my fellow Democrat members of the House Ag Committee, are, are the, they, they have the same issues, and we've seen bipartisan success on the ag side. Frankly, I was hoping we'd just tweak a, little, a few little things on the ag side, uh, because a lot of what we've already, what we have in place is working and working well. So as we move into the food and nutrition debate, that's 80% of our farm bill, and that's always an area of contention. But we worked together four years ago to actually address many of the food and nutrition concerns that both sides had, and we came together in a bipartisan agreement. Chairman Conaway had been working with, uh, with Colin Peterson and others in putting together plans, putting together legislation. They've had this, this planned announcement, 
And what it is, it's actually investing more SNAP dollars into workforce development. And I think that's a good thing because, frankly, Mike, our goal should be to get people off of SNAP rather than remaining on indefinitely. And I'm glad to fight that fight with the Democrats on the Ag Committee who think that keeping people on SNAP benefits in perpetuity is the way to go for taxpayers and for them. So is is this beyond the Ag Committee? I mean, is this pressure coming from outside of the Ag Committee? And, you know, for years we saw some of this partisan politics. uh, uh, The Ag Committee was kind of immune to some of that, but now it seems to be part of the uh, the Ag Committee as well. Is that coming down from uh, higher up in in the Democratic Party? You know, it certainly seems to be. I, I have no proof. I have no, no, uh, nothing in writing that that's the case. But I, I don't think it's a coincidence that every member of the Ag Committee uh, is, has has already rejected any possible legislative changes to encourage more people to get off of SNAP benefits and into the workplace at a time where we have historic low unemployment. I don't think it's a coincidence that they're all together. Um, I think it's. I, I would bet that it's coming directly from the Democrat leadership team. I kind of feel bad for, for Colin Peterson. He's somebody who's a friend of mine, and we've worked together on a lot of bipartisan issues. And he represents a district that, uh, that went for President Trump by double digits. So many of the concerns that the administration has are concerns of his voters, too, just like they are mine. I would hope that, that we would break this logjam and that the members of both parties in the House Ag Committee would, would get back to reality and let's work together because, frankly, at a time where we have a low, historic low unemployment rates and at the same time historic high rates of SNAP usage, that's not congruent. That should not be happening. We need to do something about it. And investing in those SNAP beneficiaries who need workforce training, spending extra dollars to give them that, that's the right thing to do. And that's the American thing to do, too. What are you hearing from the groups that are involved in, in feeding programs and, and, and those organizations that uh, uh, rely upon uh, the, this program to help people in need? What are they saying about the proposal? Well, again, we don't have a legislative proposal yet. What we're saying is let's put a proposal together that's going to actually invest more SNAP dollars in getting the people that are coming to the the food pantries that are getting food assistance, getting them trained to get into a job where they don't have to get that food assistance. That's our goal. That's their goal. Their goal is to, to put themselves out of business. Um, and that should be our goal on the House Ag Committee is to get people into self-sustainment. Now, our food and nutrition programs and our the folks who implement those programs are going to do what they can to meet demand. But our goal as policymakers should be to reduce that demand. Nobody is talking about kicking families who need SNAP benefits off of the program at all. We are talking about investing in those families, giving them access to programs, access to community college education opportunities, to get trained, to get jobs that are available at facilities like Caterpillar in Decatur, Illinois, where I serve. This is an area, a county, Mike, that had 11.5% unemployment just a year and a half ago. Now we have some of the best-paying jobs in that community that are expanding into our area. And you know what Caterpillar execs tell me? They can't find people to take the jobs. That's why we've got to encourage families to get training, get off of SNAP benefits, and into good-paying jobs. That also has an added benefit of getting them health care benefits 
that are some of the best in the nation, that then they don't have to rely upon subsidies or Medicaid expansion programs, which are, which are unaffordable in many states like Illinois. And it's the right thing to do for families. I never understand, Mike, how policymakers in Washington will want to do what they can to keep American families on benefit programs in perpetuity forever, rather than giving them the dignity to go out and get that job and sustain themselves and their own family. Yeah, the irony here, there's an impasse over a proposal that has not even been formally made yet. So hopefully we get worked through this and, <laughs> uh, right. and, move, and move forward. Congressman, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Take care. You too. Illinois Congressman Rodney Davis. All right, that wraps it up for today. Tomorrow, new USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey, former Ag Secretary Mike Johans will join us as well. Have a great day. Thanks for being with us. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at Fastline.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.